Today, I'm super excited because I have Sunny Abada here on the podcast. I'm super excited. She has been in the news and TV industry for 15 years. And today we are going to break it down. We're going to talk about her podcast. We're going to talk about her video stuff that she's doing on Facebook. And we're going to get all into it today with an amazing Libra like myself. So stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Sunny, thank you so much for being here. I have a feeling we're going to spend some uh, minutes here breaking it all down because you like me, are a spirited Libra that wants everyone to come to the table, everyone to have their say. We want to hear everyone's opinion. We want to leave everyone in love, but understanding. So thank you for being here with me. Meredith, you have summed up my life's purpose, like from the age of zero through almost 40 now. Yes, I am a true Libra. I'm technically a Virgo Libra cusp, but but characteristically, I'm a Libra. Yes, it's all about, like you said, my true passion, my true calling in life, which is why I did journalism, is understanding all the angles of a story. And that's what we do in the podcast is just really bring people to the table. We get uncomfortable and we, we dig deep. And I love it. I love it. Because don't you feel like you have the most personal growth when you're challenged in some way. Like, I don't want to be in an echo chamber. Don't tell me I'm right. Like, challenge me a little bit and let's grow together. So yes, I'm like so passionate about that. I am too. And I always tell people, you know, like no one's going through a spiritual awakening on the beaches of Turks and Caicos, however nice that might be. (laughs) I would would love for that to be drinking a Mai Tai and going, ah, I've just had so much change in the last hour. But usually it comes through the breakdown is where we get the breakthrough, right? I mean, absolutely. That's yeah, and I think moment. I think it comes when you surround yourself with people too who can who can teach you something new or come from a different culture than you or have a different life experience or have a different set of political beliefs, even if it's just a subset of their political beliefs that are different from you. I need that to thrive, and I feel like especially these days. We just need more of that. I, I don't think we need we need to be validated. So we don't need to be coddled and validated. We need to be we need to be challenging each other and trying to understand each other. Yeah, I was just doing a recording the other day and I was talking about how boring the world would be if we were all alike. I mean, can you imagine everyone's house is painted pink? We all drive pink cars and wear pink clothes and have pink hair and have pink shoes and we all what? Like, that's what a lot of people need or think that they need, hashtag you're wrong, to be comfortable, to be able to be in their own skin and to, 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 to be, to be comfortable. I need everyone to think like me, everyone to do it like me, and then I'll have comfort. But the fact of the matter is, is not being like me, challenging me, pushing me. That's when we expand. I totally agree. I could not agree more. And I, 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 I wish more people felt like that, you know, so that's the goal, right? Is to have conversations and to put people in positions and not, not of discomfort just for the sake of, you know, being an ass yeah. but to help people and inadvertently help myself or indirectly help myself to grow. Yeah. And when you're talking about like your show, we got to talk is the podcast, which comes out every Thursday and is live actually on Facebook every single Wednesday at noon. What we're actually watching 
as you're talking to me, what you, what we would actually be watching is people coming from different places with different views and actually being able to have a civil conversation and get through it without dying on the spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Because lo and behold, we don't actually poof, turn into smoke and dust when we encounter someone that we don't agree with. And I don't know about you, but this it was a real personal revelation for me. And I don't know if this is because of how I grew up, very passionate Italian family. And we always knew everything was black and white, right? Like this is right and that's wrong. But like, it took me a while to come around to the fact that I can disagree with someone fundamentally, even at times, and still find love in my heart for them or find peace around them. And it was, I don't know why, but it was a real revelation for me. I was like, oh, you know what? It's okay to not make sure that everybody is, you know, in these columns and having to arrange everything in my head. Like it's just okay to let people be. So I I don't know. I probably should have come to that a long time ago, but it didn't, I would say the past 10 years. But yeah, but but this also, I think comes from your news background of understanding that there is a 360 degree view of every story of every situation. You know, a murderer is not just a murderer. A murderer was abused severely as a child and left in the basement for days without food while his mom was out with men and didn't have a father and, you know, whatever. Like there's more to the story than man kills person. And I'm not saying murderers are okay. What I'm saying is there's more to the story there. We, we need to stop with headline thought, right? I totally agree. I totally agree. The headline thought is getting us nowhere. It's clickbait. It's, it's very compartmentalized. It doesn't give us depth of humanity. And when you are in the news, when you are a person that has to do all that research, you're challenged to say, hey, give me the whole story so I get it. Right, exactly. And what was really cool is that after, I would say like the the last five years or so when I was in TV and I was in local news, but we had really changed up our format so that it wasn't just robotic reading from a prompter. We were doing anywhere from three to six individual three-minute interviews per day, right, on a varied amount of topics. So medicine, business, politics, whatever, pop culture even sometimes. But what it did was as an anchor, as a journalist, it got me out of that routine of just reading words. And it made me come up with my own angles, challenges, questions, and things. And it really changed the way that I view news. And I, I wish there were more time, like you said, to give the entire story or to at least give multiple angles. And I think that kind of journalism gets us there, not editorial people screaming at the cameras, but a true straightforward interview that allows you to see the nuance of every story, of every situation. And then then news would be great. But the problem is, is that there's this need and this drive for things to be sexy. And I don't mean like, oh, you're hot. Right. In news, sexy is like- Provocative, right? Yeah. Through. Provocative. It's got to be interesting if you don't grab them within three seconds, blah, blah, blah. So it's an industry that's always sort of battling against itself because I think there are, it's filled with people who, who know there's a deeper story to be told, but are working against the challenges of time and editorial decisions and management. And so it's hard, right? It's hard to do it, which is the beauty of this type of medium now, right? Podcasting, you know, live streaming. We're finally embracing these media that allow us to tell deeper stories and to work into the details and to, spend time because that's what we've needed. And we've had so many stories where I feel like if we had only given them more time, I I think people's opinions would be a little more nuanced and people would be more compassionate, which I feel at the end of the day is the ultimate goal, right? To make kinder human beings. 
One billion percent. And while you're sitting there talking about like that three seconds, because I mean, like sometimes I'll be scrolling through TikTok and I can't even get through 10. So believe me, I get I, we, our attention span is that of a gnat. But I was thinking, like, can you imagine if we started to get real, you know, one week of newspapers with real headlines, horrifically sexually abused nine-year-old goes on to murder father at 19. Yeah. I mean, it totally changes it, right? Right. You know, or or what, whatever, whatever that looks like of, hey, here's the backstory and the current situation. It, like in one minute, you go from sadness to wait, hold on, what's going on here? But that is, I mean, with the podcast, with the, where we're we're talking to real people about real situations in real time and putting it out there for people to understand more versus a scripted show. Real people are so much more interesting. The real story is so much more interesting. And even if you don't travel, even if you don't get out of your house more enough, you know, to meet with people, these podcasts are bringing stories to people. I did an entire series on people of color because of the fact that I wanted to bring these women's stories into the car house headphones of my listeners who are white and go, hey, white people, I don't know if you know this, but it's a normal conversation in a person of color's home at the age of, I don't know, five X, Y, Z. You know, there's there's people of color out there that are choosing between really, really good schools or the school that their kid will feel comfortable at, which we don't have to think. I don't have to think about that. You know what I mean? That's right, not right. even on my radar. But if we don't pay attention, if we don't start listening to other people's stories, it's easy to be white and not know that that exists, to not to not have any idea about what's right. going on in India, about what's going on in Afghanistan, about what's going on at the border. It's nice to live in a bubble and think that everything's as good as your own backyard, but I think that you don't grow. Right, exactly. I mean, I was fortunate enough to go to a college where it was so culturally diverse and I my best friend was from India and everybody I knew had come from a much more diverse and sort of interesting frankly, right. background that I did. <laughs> and and my perception, my bubble was popped early on in life to understand. Now, friends that had gone to schools where maybe they went part of their graduating class or was big state school, which is, again, is fun and great and wonderful in some ways, um, but had maintained that sense of normalcy for them. I just knew that's not where I needed to be. When you grow up a certain way, I think it's more interesting to begin to learn beyond that too. And I love, I love what you did with that series. And I love that there's interest in understanding people, right? It's, it comes down to an individual person's story. I feel like that ultimately changes who you are as a person, right? It's our individual interactions with people. And the way I always say this, you know, I'm in a predominantly white, I am 98% of the people in my current neighborhood or world look like me. And this is just where I landed, but I got to challenge myself to get out of that. Now it's my job to connect with people beyond my reality, understand people beyond it. Because if I don't do that, then my kids start to think, oh, well, this is, there's only one type of person in the world. And that's not the case. So it's, it's, a, you, we, we have to break through a little bit. And, you know, this isn't, it's not easy to always get beyond your daily routine of where you have to be and what you have to do. But I think at the very least, like you said, challenging ourselves through the media we take and through the stories we read is a way to keep up with the world around us. There's like no excuse anymore to just live within 
you know, a mental radius of two miles. Well, it was interesting that you're saying that because because it is it is sometimes difficult. You know what I mean? Like you said, like my radius is the is X, you know, there's there's South Asian people that live by us. You know, there's there's some, but for the for the most part, everyone looks like me in the vicinity. But it was interesting because yesterday my my kids and I were laying on the couch to watch some so anything on television, right? Take a time out. And I'm going through because clearly I'm a documentary person. I love humans. And so I decided to put on the Caitlyn Jenner story. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. It's it's short and concise. Have you got to see it? No, but I I I'm interested. I find her to be very fascinating. Yeah. And and what I love about Caitlyn Jenner is that she has strayed from the traditional celebrity narrative of like ultra ultra liberal and stays true to who she is. Yeah. It's so her. She's a di- a walking dichotomy, right? 100%. She represents a, a very small portion of the population having transitioned and having gone through what she's gone individually and personally. But I respect a person whose beliefs are what they are outside of how they identify in one regard because that's how passionate they feel. It's She's interesting to me, man. I, I I think she gets a bad rap. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely people, but yeah, you've got to watch it. And so I'm sitting there with my 12-year-old and 10-year-old and we're watching her discuss him, Bruce, mm-hmm. and she's right. getting her hair done, full makeup, you know, the whole thing. And my son's brain is having, you know, stuttering. She can't figure out what's happening. And, and it was a really cool thing to be able to break down LGBTQ, transsexual, transgender, trans, literally in an hour. Like I was literally yeah. able to sit there. I, I didn't have to leave the house. I, I, I could, mm-hmm. I could do the work for you. I, I could let this do the work for me and I could just sit there and go with it. And it started off. This is weird. That's weird. You know, he's weird. She's weird. Like going through it and combing it back and combing it back, you know? So sometimes we don't always need to go to the soup kitchen or go right. and change all of your friend groups. Sometimes it's about kind of allowing stories into your home by way of literature, magazines, mm-hmm television, movies. And that's one of the things that the one gal on Guided by the Golden Rule on my podcast talked about was get books in your house. You know, you can challenge yourself. You can challenge your children. You can bring all of this in by way of a Netflix special where you're in real time watching one of the greatest, greatest male athletes in all of time transition into a woman and and why and how and how to be kind and all of that stuff. So we can Mm -hmm. learn lessons. But you know what? That challenged me as a mom to sit there and work through that show with my kids, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and that's what I love what you're doing with your podcast is you're challenging people to stay in it. Stay in it. Learn the facts. Stay you in know, it. I'm not here to try to change people's minds or flip them over politically to another side. I'm just as about as moderate as they come in every way. But just hear it. You know, just be comfortable around it. Just so that when you are eventually, which presumably your children and my children will be geographically at least to a different spot, that it isn't this giant shock or I mean we are all humans it sounds so corny to say underneath I mean we're we are all after the same things in life and so the more like you said you can use the media and the tools to expose your kids to different people's stories I feel like it's so important even the books we choose for our like you said for our kids to read like deliberately maybe choose something that has a main character on the cover who looks different than your kid or simple things it doesn't have to be you know this constant like okay we're gonna go on a field trip today and leave our neighborhood (laughs) just 
right. you know, just little things. I think that's so important. Yeah. It doesn't have to be wacky or contrived. It can be very, very natural. Right. It can be very much a part of the day. And, and what you were just saying about pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits, growing, having these conversations is growing your kids' hearts because what we don't know, whether we like it or not, we fear Lamaze 101, right? Let's go to Lamaze classes so you know what is about to happen to you, so you know how to breathe. You'll probably get an epidural anyways, but at least you know what's about (laughs) to happen, right? Let's remove some of the fear of what's about to happen when you have that baby. But what we don't understand becomes taboo, becomes we're afraid of it. Then we start to stand on top of it because we're afraid of it. So then we judge it. So then we're better than it. And the thing of it is, is I remember before my daughter and I went to India and I talk about it all the time. I knew nothing about India. So who, of course, I'm going to go there for 10 days. And when I went there, I fell in love with the land. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with all the different religions. I fell in love with their daily life. And you cannot hate, fear, judge when you put yourself in it. Yeah. It's so simple too, isn't it? Right. Like these are things that I feel like I knew since I was this big, like why, why did this lesson leave people eventually that, that treat others as you would like to be treated? Like you said, the gold, golden rule. Like, I mean, and the cool thing too, about like the field of journalism is I, I feel like I was trained out of fear in a lot of ways because you go to places and knock on door, you go to places that are completely objectively not safe. You're in jails, you're in bad neighborhoods, you're in wherever you're talking to convicted, or I should say people charged with murder. I mean, like you have no, and and you're still forced to speak, understand, get the details behind why. And I feel like it really broke down all in any fear that I had, which is interesting because I think there are some people in that field who might go the other way, become more prejudiced or callous or just negative in some ways. And there are people that go the other way and they're like, oh God, you know what? As it turns out, we're actually all the same. Yeah. All of it. We have traumas. We have questions about things. We're looking to connect. And that's kind of where I landed. And I'm not saying I'm not scared of anything, but that broke fear for me. Like no more fear. Like I putting myself in deliberately in situations where I'm not the majority person and I'm not the majority belief. And it can be something as simple as politics, where I walk into a room with a bunch of like ultra conservatives or ultra liberals. I I like to be uncomfortable. Like, tell me, why are you how you are? How did you turn out to be in the position you're in? That's a superpower if you embrace it. Curiosity is a superpower and it gives you that strength in the end of the day if you embrace it. Yeah, and like, I'm never afraid to listen to other people's points of view. But sometimes I feel that people are literally afraid of hearing the others. Like, it's like, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it because what if you change my mind? Then all of who I believe myself to be is destroyed. All of the principles that I have built my ego on, that I have built my importance, that I have built my education, that I have built my... I don't know, societal standing, right? Identity on Mm -hmm. is now crumbled, right? Is now crumbled. And that's why, gosh, it's so interesting because I think that systems like organized religion and other things that sort of teach us dogma or teach us ritual or teach, there is beauty and good in that. But in the other direction, there is so much constraint in it too, right? I'm saying this, by the way, as someone who sends her kids to a religious school, so... (laughs) 
I mean, but you know, there is something to be said for understanding, even if they walk away with the ritualistic understanding of how one religion is practiced and find a way to sit quiet. This is what I tell my kids every night. Yes, we're technically, technically Catholic, but every night the prayer is not Jesus command me to do. It is dear God, please allow us to get quiet enough to listen to that whisper in our heart that we know is you talking to us. That's it. It's spirituality coming through one I always say, and I really got slapped for this one time because I was interviewing someone who is very Christian. And I said, you know, I believe all roads lead to Rome. Am I better than a Hindu? No. Am I better than a Muslim? No. I just feel like I landed, my spirit landed geographically here. And I was raised Catholic by Italian parents. And that's who I happen to be. Do I think I'm better? No. Do I think I'm going to Nirvana or heaven or any quicker than the next guy who's also a decent person? I really don't actually, but it is one way to connect with God. We all end up, hopefully, if we're decent people, right in a scent in a space of elevated spirituality. But I don't think I'm better for my religion over yours. And that's where I can't get on board with some of these things. And that's where it gets dicey with kids because they need a little bit of structure, right? They need to understand spirit and God and powers beyond them. But I don't ever want them to think that they're doing it right and everyone else is doing it wrong. So I try to like dial it back a little. And it's hard. Like it's hard to say, do it this way. Well, why? Uh, Because it's the yeah. best way. I don't know. Like, cause we do teach your kids. This is the best way to load the dishwasher. This is the right. best way to load, you know, to fold a t-shirt. And then, so then do, do spirituality this way. Well, why? Cause it's the best way. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the only way we know, right? That's how we know right? how to do it. <laughs> It is really good, though, I think, to equip kids. And look, I'm not a parenting expert or anything. This is sort of like as shooting from the hip as it gets. But I I parent by intuition. And I think if we can teach them even one way to connect with spirituality or to connect to a sense of greater power and greater good, then you do it. And you choose what's available. And that's how I was raised. That's what I understand. Do I follow it dogmatically and principally? No. Let's be honest. What Christian do you know that is living word by word from the Bible? Well, Texas. Not, not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not, let me, let me rephrase. I am not living by every word right. of the Bible and neither are most people. Right. So get the that linen is- and wool, hey, girl, you got that <laughs> linen and wool on. Are you having bacon? <laughs> you better not be having soup know, right? for dinner this weekend. No, but see that that's the insanity, right? Like you have to stop the insanity. What was it? Susan Powder said back in the eighties, stop yeah, the insanity, uh-huh. right? Stop like insanity. you can't sit here and pick and choose and pick and choose. And that's where, you know, we have to, and it's sad because when you do have that strong dogma, they do say, well, this is what it says. And this is what it says. Mm-hmm. And so we have to do this but only the pick and choose that I say. And then it becomes the hierarchy and then it becomes the dogma and then it becomes the patriarchy. And it's, it gets gross and it gets, you know, it gets- It gets corrupted by people. Corrupted. It gets people right? Yeah. Yeah. So, te- you know, that's why for me, it does go back. This sounds so hokey, but it does go back to a sense of individual spirituality, individual connection. And can you get there by reading the Bible? Sure. Can you get there through meditation? Sure. However you want to choose it. Yeah. I just feel like we're all better humans when we- when we sit still, we get quiet, we connect with who we are. And that's what we pass on to our kids, right? Not the rule book of like, okay, here it is. This is your, this is your stack of papers, follow this and you'll be a good person. I think it's more like, let's teach you how to get in touch with who you are. Let's get you quiet. Let's get you still for a second because you can't hear when you have too many things coming in. And I say, I always say, what do you think? Why do you think that's the right answer or the right decision? I, I do feel like that's the source of all 
And then that in turn makes humans who are able, like we're talking about, to sit and hear someone who has a different opinion. I'm not going to self-combust if I hear someone with a different political belief than me or religious belief than me. It's just not going to happen, any, especially not now when most of my life now is I've been choosing people that are not like me at all. Yeah. So it's really nice to know that you're going to be okay if you get outside of the echo chamber. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So how did you get started in... TV news and all of that 15 years ago, what led you there and what has brought you now to come, you know, in your kind of basically producing and directing and being in your own stuff? What, what does that all look like? So I was a writer by nature and the little kid who had little journals all the time. I loved writing in college at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. I was actually a creative writing major. And it's always been, I, I'm, um, like you said, like I'm um, like a documentarian. I document things. I keep things. I would scrapbook. I would, you know, it's very important to me to understand my family's history. I'm all about digging into, and I know you and I are going to talk about this, like digging into family stories, family history, family traumas, understanding, right? So this is my nature. Just very like loved writing, loved documenting, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm in college as a writing major and realized, you know, it'd be actually kind of cool to get into journalism when we didn't have a journalism program. So <laughs> luckily they had this interdisciplinary college, which launched the year that I was a freshman, which thankfully to this day is still thriving. And it was a combination between the school of drama at Carnegie Mellon. So like the performance aspect, right. The presenting of the news or whatever, and the writing and journalism side. So I managed to cobble together with classes from both of these awesome schools, the humanities and arts, you know, all my credits and everything had tons of internships outside of college. I turned a dateline in the Today Show in New York City. I interviewed, I had a show on Fox Sports as like a 19 year old interviewing high school athletes and all the Steelers and Pirates off the field. And I just kept getting little bits of things and getting college credit for things and actually immersing myself in the field as much as I could. And I graduated with that degree and was working at a local affiliate within a couple of weeks of graduation as a trainee. And I was just thrown out with a couple of amazing news reporters who let me shadow them. And I learned about how to write stories quickly, how to interview people, how to knock on doors and get, I mean, like, it's one of those jobs where you can't really learn it until you do it. So thankfully I had so many amazing mentors and teachers that walked me through reporting. And I worked there for six years, in addition to the two years that I worked in college doing my Fox stuff. And then seven and a half years down here as the main anchor at the Fox affiliate. And here I am today. And I left, this is the whole separate story, but I left, it'll be five years in October. And I left because I just can't do it all. It turns out you can't do it all when you have children. <laughs> the especially. lie of the century. There are two lies of the century. You complete me and we can do it all. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. And the crowd said, amen. I mean, I don't know. I always say to my mom, like, what did you do to me? Because I saw you work a full-time job and you were fine, but it was different back in the eighties and nineties, right? It wasn't, I mean, I was working either 4 a.m. to 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. to midnight. And it's just not conducive to health and relationships yeah. and happiness. So I chose to step away five years ago and I just it was a natural extension to continue. I, I, it's in my nature to share. It's in my nature to ask questions. So I would, I started blogging and the blog turned into a podcast. And then I said, well, I'm talking into a microphone anyway, and TV is kind of my thing. So why don't I pop a camera on? So my producer from news started working with me about a year ago and now we do the live stream and it's fun because there's an extra element of interaction and we just have, we have so much fun every week, just hopping on and talking to people and digging deep. I love that. And how old are your kids? Uh, eight and a half, almost seven and four. Okay. So, so yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're in it. You're like starting the T-ball and soccer and oh, yeah. 
all the dance class, like all the good stuff. Like you're, yeah. And I mean, think when we were kids, there was no year round softball. There was no, you know, 24 seven sports, 10 dance classes a week. Like my daughter, she was in like seven dance classes a week for 10 years. Like I took a ballet class. You know what I mean? Like I was in ballet. I wasn't in, oh, you have to yeah. do team or you have to do competition or yeah, you do company and company. Right? Yes. <laughs> and here's the oh my God, <laughs> company kills your social life. We're in company down here. And I'm like, how much longer do you really want to do this? I mean, I'm trying to support, support her, but it's intense. And she's six and a half. It's so crazy. We're doing travel softball. We're doing travel baseball. The kids are in hockey. My daughter just signed up for volleyball. And I literally am like, so if anyone out there wants to start like kid Uber, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm all in for kid Uber because, and that's the other thing. No one, even with this day and age of, of, of phones, no one carpools either. What mm-hmm. happened to the carpooling of the eighties? <laughs> You know what happened? If the world just went to crap <laughs> and no one trusts each other anymore. I know. I know it's crazy. We're busier than ever and our networks are smaller. Yeah, it's crazy. But I think it's so interesting because what you looked at is you had, a, you know, you had something that you love to do, but then you kind of transformed it into something that works for you. And I think that women in business, that's kind of the model that I model that I see across the board of all the women that I have interviewed which is I had to make it work for me. I didn't want to put my flame out. I didn't want to quiet myself. I didn't want to dim my light. I didn't want to just stay. I didn't just, just so you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for decades. I didn't want to stay home and be a stay-at-home and not do these other things. And throughout this series, part one and part two, what I've noticed is women are really amazing the way that they can. I mean, the one gal that I did, the love and fit with Laura, I mean, she's running an entire leggings and sports bra company out of her house in Santa Clarita, California. Like it's like Lululemon out of her force, you know, her spare bedroom. And that's just women for you. Yeah. Uh, we're so fucking awesome. Listen, I don't want to like get on the soapbox too much because I'll be like real rah-rah. I know, right? But I was like, damn, I had kids and I, my, my productivity went like, and I'm not saying you have to have kids and you know, right. this is not a no people who don't right. have kids, but I'm just saying for me personally, I was like, dude, turns out I'm a real fucking badass. Right. I can do it. You know, not all of it, but I'm like, dude, I can manage three people's lives in addition to my own. Do I love it all the time? No. Is it easy? No, but I am in awe at how much we do as women and, and how much we manage and the emotional work that we're able to do every day. I feel like we need to pat ourselves on the back more often, especially with the emotional work, like what we're talking about. It's not like you're just feeding and bathing the kids and sticking them in the corner, like the Dr. Spock days of yore. Like we got to put them out into a really messed up world. We're emotionally working with them all the time. We're, We're more engaged with our kids than ever on that level. And I'm proud of us, all of us for doing that work. It's not easy. It's not easy to do that in addition to doing all the necessary things. So Go us is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and healing our traumas. I mean, can you imagine your parents actually saying, Sonny, now I know you have really big feelings today. Let's work through that. <laughs> like, like there was no, like, no. Go up to your room and come down in 10 minutes. Ah. I don't want to hear it anymore, Sonny. Yeah, no I know. big feelings. There were no, like, let's work through this. There was no box breathing. <laughs> no, there was none of that. We're okay. 
technically, but man, I'm like, I just, yes, we're doing all the, literally doing all the things these days as parents. Yeah. There's so much healing going on because I think that we have words for it. I was just recording a podcast, which is going to actually be in the next series. And it was, we were, we were talking about, there just weren't words for things like gaslighting. Mm We didn't even have mm-hmm. words. And so mm-hmm. now as these, you know, this trauma response and narcissism and gaslighting and all these words and, and self-mothering and remothering, all these concepts and theories, it's not like these things are coming out of nowhere. They've always right. been there. We're just deciding we're not going to beat the living hell out of our kids. We're actually going to heal our traumas and we're not going to tell our kids to just stuff it down and deal with it with, you know, drugs or some other, you know, abuse system. We're like, okay, let's walk through this. Let's get through this, you know, so on and so forth. Now we have books, we have podcasts, we have resources, we have blogs, we have social media, we have TikTok to help us understand ADHD and ADD and narcissism and all these other words. And so our generation is actually being called to task with all of this. Oh, and P.S. Take care of your ailing parents who are going to live another 30 years with no Social Security. And P.S. They have Alzheimer's and they don't want to go into a nursing home. Oh, and you have a 10 year old. Oh, and keep your marriage and your partnership (laughs) really healthy and sexy, by the way. You know, like what? I mean, it's. It's, it is, you can only laugh, but here's what I think. And I, I don't know, I, I get the sense that you are into this stuff too. Like, I think that that is maybe the task of this generation. And I don't mean like generation from the traditional definition, but the people who are currently on earth right now during this pandemic, I think we're in the middle or at the, maybe the early stages of a spiritual lull, a dip, a something, a hibernation of sorts, right? Like we're being called to do the work inside, right? For ourselves and help our kids with it. So that when we finally get back out, like, I think that's our war right now. I think there might be some other wars. Don't even get me started on geopolitics right now. Just very, I was like on the phone with my friend and I was like, that's it. This is the decline of the, you know, the American empire. We're going to, anyway. So anyway, but I think there's work we can do as individuals during this otherwise dark time that you're right. Other generations, maybe because they were focused on other things just for survival, the war generation of our parents or grandparents, of course, they literally needed to survive the depression and world war two. And then our parents, this is our time to really dig deep. And I really hope that that there's the fruit of of more responsible and and kind and and better people. I have to believe that we're in this place for a reason. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be, I mean, I look at it like, I remember when it first started the whole pandemic, I was like, okay, like we're being put in timeout. Like we're being literally put in timeout. Like you go sit there and you think about if, and she's evolved, but you go with me, you know, the Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashians of the world is really what you're, you're after. Like, is, is it really all about shoes and purses or is there more that y'all need? Is there more that we're working towards? And, and I think that we've all been, I mean, the, the people that are moving out of the cities in droves to find a different life, the people that are quitting their nine to fives, the people that are reprioritizing and saying, holy crap, like I only have probably like, I don't know, 34 more years on this planet. What do I want that to look like? 34 right. more summers. I have 34 right. more Christmases. Holy shit balls. And that's if I'm lucky, right? And so when you start looking at your life and you're like, what exactly is it that my end game, what's my end game here? What's the goal? What am I trying to accomplish here? What am I putting out into the world? And I think that 
COVID has just really forced the hand of people to go, I'm not working for $2 every 15 minutes. There's got to be a better way. Yeah. Yeah. To feel more aligned and, you know, to feel like you're living your purpose for sure. Yeah. And I think that this is all pushing us towards going inside, turning the mirror on self, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why, you know, I know with your podcast, you do, you know, issues and news, pop culture, health, politics, you do it all. And, and you bring people together to have these conversations in a world, in a climate that no one's doing that. Yeah. I mean, we're doing in uh, an episode in two weeks from now that I'm really excited about on cancel culture Mm. and tribalism and the dangers of an irresponsible press. I'm interviewing this guy who did a lot of writing on the Duke rape case, which turned out to be eventually not overturned, but whatever, uh, not a hoax is a strong word, but it turned out to be a false allegation, right? You know, um, what else? Did, oh, he um, did some reporting on, remember the kid in the MAGA hat screaming at the Native American man on, in in front of the Capitol? Like, we talk about the dangers of a reactive press. We talk about, So I'm really excited about that because I feel like for as much good as we can do with the instant spread of information, there's also tremendous downside too. And those are two examples of stories getting really wrong. And it's interesting to me. And I'm not saying, I, oh, I pity these white guys and Duke. I mean, I'm sure they're fine. But then I think, well, God, would I want that to be my son falsely accused of rape? No. So, right, it, it's easy to hate these characters when the press creates an instant story without, like we were saying yeah. earlier, the multidimensional reporting. So I'm looking forward to that because, frankly, as a news consumer, I saw those individuals in the headlines and I wanted to strangle them. Right. right? Like, not really. Right. And- I was like, I feel like I need to do this interview because as someone who is easily triggered by anger, when I read about stories of mistreatment, maybe I need to check myself and understand how much more thought needs to go into what we put out there. So I'm I'm, I'm excited about that. I feel like that's kind of, it pushes me out of my comfort zone and I'm the host. So I know that it's hitting, it's hitting something. So yeah, I mean, all this stuff I think is interesting. We're doing um, an interview next week with the authors of this book called More Than a Body. They're PhDs and they're twins and they're authors of this book. And they have all of these reflections on how we view and treat our bodies and how society has created these expectations and helping women define their own limits of like, what's okay to tweak and not. And how do you come up with what you're okay with doing as far as adjustments to your face and body and what you're not okay with. And moreover, how do you explain that to the daughters you're raising, right? How they set, it's just so fast. So all these things, which are very like at face value, we think we know, right? Oh God, she, Kim Kardashian is so plastic and so fake. But wait, why do you feel like that? Does she trigger you? Like, mm-hmm. this is what I want to get into. And isn't it okay for a woman to decide, you know, I want 15 procedures one day? I mean, th- these are all the things that I just can't, I don't know. I just can't wait to get into. I'm such a nerd. I just nerd out on all this but I stuff. Lo- but I mean, I love it. Like, so my, my the podcast is Mares with a Y and why I, clearly it's a double entendre on the way I spell my name, but it's also because I'm like, I'm curious. I, I love people. I love the stories. And what you're talking about with regard to, you know, the plastic surgery, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I had, you know, I had two lumpectomies two years ago. And when you have radiation and a lumpectomy, it starts, it it continues to 
dissolve like the tissue around where the lumpectomy mm-hmm. and the radiation is. And so it just, right. there's like a divot that just keeps divoting and divoting and divoting, right. you know, plus I'm 48. I've had four kids. My last kid was 10 pounds. I've lost and gained more weight than I care to count. And I told my husband and I've talked to two of my girlfriends about it. I'm like, you know, I'm considering getting a tummy tuck and a boob job. Like I eat nothing. You know what I mean? Like I am Mrs. Bag Salad every day for lunch and, uh, you know, a fig bar from Trader Joe's every morning for breakfast. Like, and I walk all the time and I'm like, I'm kind of sick of fighting it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I- sick of fighting it. It's exhausting. I would, I've never liked my lower stomach until the only time I liked my lower stomach was when I was a five foot nine and a half size six. I don't need oh, to Lord. be that Hot thin mama. ever. I know, right? I <laughs> no, don't need to be say, that thin. You know what? I shouldn't even say that. I'm going to be judged because no. you're like, oh, you're, no. But I, I did look hot, but saying. my hair was falling out and like, yes. you know, all yes. that good no. stuff. So we don't I'm like, that. I want like a happy medium. I don't need to be thin, thin, thin. I've never been thin, thin, thin naturally. And I'm like, but then as you just said that, like, what do I tell my 12 year old? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's okay to tell my 12 year old. I had four kids. I had breast cancer and I want yes, this shit taken yes. care of. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know, I have delved into this. This goes to show you what a head case I am. I have delved into the topic of plastic surgery, Botox fillers with my therapist, because I have two daughters and this ongoing concern shooting up my face with all kinds of stuff, which I'm very open about. At what age is it appropriate to talk about that. Not that she's asking me, she's seven right right now, but here's what I came to that. I'm not saying this is your answer, but I think that if my daughter ever comes to me expressing any dissatisfaction or sadness or dislike of how she looks, which frankly, as girls, we know we all have those moments, right? And it has to do with, well, why don't you blah, 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 or why don't not, why don't you, I don't know, whatever. And then I will say, listen, mommy is 40 years old or 45 or whenever we have this conversation. And I decided when I was that age that I wanted to do something that maybe not have wrinkles anymore. It's not the right decision. That's when you do it. You do it when they ask me, I don't, to me, that's the answer. Is that the answer for everyone? I don't know. But I have plenty of friends, women whose moms got breast augmentations and never told them. And on one hand, I kind of understand that because when the kid's seven or eight or nine and you don't want to go there, but when they're your daughter's age and they're old enough to understand what's happening, I do think it's okay for a conversation to just be like, listen, this is something that I thought about for a while. I'm a, I'm a grown adult. I've had four kids and mom really knows what she wants that's going to make her happy. This might not make you happy one day, but I'm just going to do it. And I mean, I don't know. I'm not a therapist. But anyway, I talked about this with my therapist and that's kind of where we landed. Yeah, it's but it's thick conversation. It's saying, hey, I don't like this. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it... Our kids are going to be frustrated with the way they look. You know, it's if it's not the hair. I mean, my da- daughter has this beautiful, soft, like beach wave curl hair. Of course, she wants to straighten it every day. Oh, and I'm like, oh, stop yeah. doing that. Like, I like, I want to take her to get it so she can get taught how to deal with it more so. But she like brushes yeah. out the curls oh, every day. Gosh. And, oh. you know, like we always, it's always the opposite. So I guess we just keep talking right. to them and keep. We keep talking. We just keep talking and we just keep helping everyone through it. And and that goes back to the podcast. You know what I mean? And, I, and that's why we have to keep lending our voice to these conversations and keep working through all of these tough topics and show people like, look, 
you can have a friend who's the opposite, you know, side. But you were talking earlier about having both sides of the conversation and not being the, you know, the fast and furious breaking news, Fox News, MSNBC, everything, you know, one side or the other side, right? One side or the other side. And when I was thinking about that, when you were talking, they've, they've, they're using the algorithm for us, but against us. The algorithm of, yeah. let me show you how smart I, you are by showing you stuff all day long that you already agree with so that it mm-hmm. shows you how smart you are, how right you by are. By validating you. By validating right. you, which is which is Facebook 101, right? Facebook 101, your feed all day long. If it's mm-hmm. the opposite, it's to show you, yes, look at that person. I told you they're an idiot and you can go fight with them. And that keeps you on Facebook longer. And that's what the goal is to keep you on as long as possible. And the right. same thing is with the news. All you do is sit there all day long, you know, and watch your channel, right? right. And look to your husband and go, yep, see, told you, they're yeah. a bunch of idiots. Yeah. We're so smart. Look how smart we are. We know it all, you know, like how do they even survive on the other side of the aisle? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's like raising your kids and saying, yeah, it's totally okay to eat sugar all day. It's what you want, right? You feel good. No, no, no. We need to do discomfort. Like we said in the beginning, discomfort is is growth. And and uh, this is what I used to say, because, you know, people will hear, oh, you work at an affiliate of a station and they automatically think, oh, well, you're, yeah. Yeah. you're a real liberal. You're a real conservative. Right. And I would just say, listen, here's my challenge for you. Whatever cable station you watch and I just make a point to like flip over to the opposite side even if they're on the opposite side of the aisle at least you'll get a little bit of like friction that'll stimulate your brain in some way it might end up validating why you feel how you feel or it might show you that people on the other side are I mean this isn't true for everyone decent human beings who just happen to have been raised differently than you or or have different belief systems and it doesn't mean you can't have a civil conversation i mean i was forced to interview so many people over the course of my career that i i don't politically agree with but it's okay we made it out alive and i do feel better smarter for it not better i feel smarter for it and so like i would never have gotten the opportunity to do that in another field it's very easy to live in your own little bubble if you aren't forced out of it i'm so grateful to the time that i spent being forced to, I used to complain so much because I'd be like, oh my God, we had six interviews today and three <laughs> newscasts to anchor. And now I'm like, God, that was really cool. It's you know, exciting. I got to talk to presidential candidates and live coverage of the Casey Anthony trial, the George Zimmerman trial. I mean, like really meaty, big, big stories that I just otherwise never, I got to talk to defense attorneys and be like, how the hell do you sleep at night? Right. And like for hours, right? They'd be in our studio. Like we had live coverage of the Casey Anthony trial and we would have a defense attorney just standing there. And literally I would say to her, I really like you. I just don't understand how you do what you do. But the more I talked to her, the more I understood what she was defending, which wasn't the act of the individual or the, the alleged act of the individual, but the system that protects us all. Should we be wrongly accused and that we yep. should be grateful for a system that protects us before it accuses us. I never would have had that perspective if I hadn't spent literally 40 hours next to her over the course of all this coverage. And so, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's just, it was cool. And I'm just so grateful. Yeah. And because I, I don't want to keep you forever, could I, but I could. I we should do like a weekly show just to shoot the shit for an hour. Uh, I love it. <laughs> two curious Libras <laughs> enter a podcast. We could call it circular conversations with Libras. <laughs> no, right? Squirrel. Uh, I have to ask you before I let you go. You just said Casey Anthony. You just said Zimmerman. What are like top five favorite people, cases, stories you worked on throughout your career or even in your podcast? Like some of what, what are your top, like say five? 
I would say covering live coverage, like nonstop, like court TV level coverage of the Casey Anthony trial was incredibly interesting, as was the George Zimmerman trial in that capacity when those verdicts came down, being part of that shock that we felt literally a pit of our stomachs falling out when both of those not guilty verdicts came down. We were like, wait, what? And you were I mean, there for the whole thing to know. The whole thing. Yeah. I mean, like, what are you guys watching? Are you are you watching the same show I've been watching? <laughs> it's crazy town. Crazy town. Another cool thing was I got to interview Paul Ryan, who was the vice presidential candidate on a trip mm. to Orlando. Not the interview itself, but um walking in like Secret Service giving you the shakedown. And I was like, oh, this feels like a movie. That was kind of cool. And like going through that whole process, and you see these guys in suits and you're like, wait. So that was kind of cool. I interviewed Mitt Romney. I interviewed I mean, just a ton of sports figures and try to think who else. I always get asked this question and I think, Sonny, you have to come up with a better <laughs> list. But those come, to, those come to mind because those are some of the more, definitely those trials. I mean, gosh, for a person who loves a good detail in a story, I was just like the whole day, just loving, listening to that whole thing. Horrible stories. I'm not saying yeah. I'm loving the entertainment value, but really, really just layered stories coming out as you heard these witnesses testify just totally fascinating yeah i just i think people are profoundly interesting i think that we never need another scripted show as long as the world i even though sometimes like you know a a fiction book is nice to take my brain and put it on pause for five seconds because you it can be so intense always you know, being so on and oh, yeah. so in, in in people's stories. But this has been way too much fun. So much fun. I love you. I, I can't wait till we talk on my show. I think we have you booked for December or November. I'm sorry. So well, just let me know. I don't know if I, I don't know where I have that. I have to, I'll have to double check and see where I met there with you. But I'm, I mean, I'm excited to talk to you again. This is, this is great. I love your, your energy and just your curiosity and wanting to like, just be that Libra that you are balancing it out, balancing out both sides. And you guys can, you, again, you can hear her every Thursday on, we got to talk podcast um, and every Wednesday at noon Eastern on Facebook. And that's, we got to talk too, right? They can find you yeah on facebook yeah just go to facebook.com slash we gotta talk and the show streams it's on youtube too but facebook is probably the easier way to watch it and then all of this will be in the show notes for go search for her there and then also your instagram will be down there so go follow her on instagram and we will talk soon thanks so much for being here again i appreciate it thank you for having me this was so much fun you are a light in this world so thank you thanks honey thanks for listening if you would like to connect on a more personal level head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind-the-scenes footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.